Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox, where we discuss the tools we utilize every day. Yours to use or toss, it's up to you. But I hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back Tools for the Toolbox. I am Chance Burroughs, as you know, and I have another outstanding guest for y'all today. Um, I'm gonna let him, obviously, introduce himself, as I always do, so let's start off with the same question I always use. Who are you, and what is your military background? Hi, um, John, Jonathan Archambault. Yeah, it's a long name of 27 letters, anyways. Um, <laughs> I, I served for roughly 12 years. Uh, I did, um, I was in communication. Uh, for four, then I did logistics side uh, as a supporter. I was lucky enough to be uh, selected for uh, support in uh, special force, and then I, I, I left the military after um, doing a, uh, a mission in Iraq, and I joined the police to actually work with the community. Uh, mm -hmm. Three years later, I uh, got diagnosed with uh, PTSD, with dissociation, major depression disorder, um, and I've been off since. So it's been a three years of uh, trying to recoup and, and understand what's going on in my brain uh, and, and I guess uh, heal up, right? Uh, so I wrote a book about this uh, just to explain how I, I read so many books about uh, how PTSD can affect our brain, but I was not able to find an actual book that says, hey, I have PTSD. This is all crazy. I go, and I'm not saying mm -hmm. crazy as, uh, you know, determinantal, but it's more and more like this is, the crisis that I have in my head. That's the war within that is going on now. Um, Absolutely. So I started a small initiative called Wired Differently and where I can... Oh, you mean like, you mean like this one right, right here? right there, yes. Um, where I, I, I use the talent of many veterans or first responder uh, for arts and, and for sewing, for working with leather um, and, and raising funds for, for an organization who help first responder veterans and their family who are uh, mentally ill. Yeah, which is awesome, by the way. And I, I really enjoy uh, I really enjoy seeing people get these little packages full of your stuff. Because <laughs> it, it just, you know, it's, it's a really nice, um, it's a really nice change. And that it is, it's more about just bringing joy to the people and bringing back the concept that we can all just talk to each other. We can all interact with each other. We don't even have to talk. I can just, you know, wear a patch or wear a shirt or wear a hat or whatever and it's we're all part of the same we've all been wired a little differently and I, which i 100 percent agree with and i don't know how many times i've been told this throughout the years when you know you say oh i, I was a combat engineer and they're like you guys are just you guys are a different breed but we look at everyone else going like y'all are a different breed right it because every job has its purpose right yeah. <laughs> and there are certain people that work really well in those jobs and when you you know volunteer to handle high explosives and anti-personnel mines and all that good stuff it it kind of brings a certain type of person to the full yeah. um so is you are you like fully retired you just do the wire differently stuff now you got your book what else do you so, like to get into technically i'm on long-term disability right now under yep. uh the calgary police service um, I was told, I think three months ago, that I'm permanently restricted, which means I will never wear a uniform again. Mm -hmm. um, the, the chance of relapse are currently too high. Uh, so, so they're saying no more. Um, so I think, I think you, like me, you are like I, like 
whatever you say that in English properly. So I'm going to probably screw up some words, but I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, we are born selfless, but we are born servant. We have that in ourself of, of helping people. And that's one of the mm -hmm. reasons why we, we joined the military, uh, because it needs a special breed again to do that as well, right? To remove you as number one and put a group instead. So, mm -hmm. um, so I still have that drive, uh, high, high, high drive. And, um, and I've been looking into what will I be able to do outside of a uniform. Um, the wire differently is, takes a lot of time, um, but... Uh, I, I do it because I think it's needed that that we bring awareness uh, that is any army. I mean, any allies we have, I'm trying to do my best, like UK, New Zealand, Australia, US, um, to, to help others, right? To be, help others understand and, and not have that stigma. Because the stigma mm -hmm. is what is the, the most hurtful, I think. Because if you suffer in silence, you're alone. And if you actually start talking... Well, you have then an army of people who are which you understand. And you might actually learn something from you, from you, from you, from you, how to deal and manage this, right? Um, or all, like the side effects of medication. That's as stupid as it is, right? Like uh, they, they will make you try millions of medication until it works, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I had, as, as silly as it sounds, my left leg when I went to bed, uh, I was on, uh, I think it's Trezodon, and my leg would just shake on its own for probably a couple of seconds. And I thought that I was just going nuts. <laughs> I don't do this. Like, it's just shaking. My wife's like, are you okay? <laughs> and she looks at me like, I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, and after being in a peer support, I asked another guy, and I'm like, does it do that to you? He's like, yeah, man. It's been 12 years since doing that to me. I was like, okay, good. Like, and this is where the strength is. We were a team before in the military. It was not, it was all about the team, nothing yeah. about yourself. And we were stronger. It is still exist. It's still there. Um, so this is what I, I want to do with Wire Differently. Try to help as best as I can. I, I don't take any money from it. I'll be honest. Uh, I'm probably more in the hole than anything. But, but if, it can, if it can help, for me, it's fulfilling. Absolutely. So, now it's discovering what can I do as a next career to help, uh, but my priority changed. Um, and my priority changed when I got diagnosed, realizing that I was missing in action, not at work, but at home. Mm -hmm. So priority now are family and then work. We'll figure it out the work. Um, and it's it's needed because it costs a lot of money now to live in Canada, by all means. But we'll figure it out in time. Uh, there's there's program for this, VACAT programs. WCB is interesting, but there's programs as well. I'll see in time. At the moment is healing family. That's, yeah. the, that's the important piece. Right? Yeah, I agree. It, it's very hard to, when you spend your entire life trying to look out for everyone else, and then all of a sudden you have to actually, you have to look after yourself and that, then you have to, it, it's very, it's a very difficult shift. I still struggle with it. I know lots of guys that still struggle with it and a lot, like it's just, it's not a, <clears throat> it's not an easy transition. And mm -hmm. I was, there was, there was a point I was going to make and I forgot what it was. So we'll just move on. <laughs> that, that's a good fact as well. Memory is yeah. something lacking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the truth, man. And uh, oh, it was it was about 
speaking to everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to talk to each other. That's how you gain an understanding. And when you're, when you're just by yourself, it's a vacuum. You're, you're speaking in a vacuum and a vacuum is a negative circuit, right? Like you are slowly yeah. going down the drain. And if all you do is sit there and talk shit to yourself and say that you're weak or you're not strong enough or, and it just slowly brings you down that, uh, that whirlpool and it's really hard to climb out of that hole. Yep. Possible, hundred percent possible, a lot easier when you have other people who are working their way out too, and you start working together. Um, and just the, uh, the point you made on having someone else go, yeah, that, that happens to me too, takes a huge weight off your shoulders. And I, I mean, I've said this a few times, uh, I was reading on combat when I was in Afghanistan mm-hmm. and I had, we'd gotten into a firefight at one point, apparently an RPG went over my head. I didn't see it. Um, but everyone was telling me about it and I was like, holy shit, how do I miss an RPG going over my head? And I just happened to be reading the portion on audio, uh, auditory and visual exclusion under high stress. And I was just like, oh, that's how I missed it. Okay, cool. And you can just check it off. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, whereas if you, if I hadn't had that, I could have started to spiral down pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, again, talk to people. <laughs> that's the whole reason the podcast exists, right? Like, it's just, I want to get people to hear from others who've been through it this is okay. Totally yep. normal. And we move forward. Um, so you've been out for, of uh, policing for what, three, four years now? Three years, three years. Yeah. Three, uh, three years, years okay. and yeah, this year. Um, so I, I have a question before you get into that, but, uh, how long or sorry, not how long, <laughs> how was the transition? And I, I want to hear both from the military and the police because they're two different yeah. sides of the two, same coin, right? Different world. Um, and I think, okay, so this is, this is, I think the other aspect and there's nothing, not comparing military green army with, uh, uh, cause actually I wanted to be an, an infantry guy when I joined, but I was speaking three language and they're like, no, you're, you're going to translate stuff. So I was like, mm-hmm. man, I want to play with guns. Good, friendly stuff. <laughs> um, cause I was not speaking English, but my, my, my parents are very true Quebecers, right? So uh-huh. English is bad and whatnot. And so I learned Spanish, Portuguese but not English. And like, there was no music of English at home. There was no books. There was, and like, we would go to Canada when we go to Ottawa, you know what I mean? Like right. it's a yeah. different country. Um, yeah. so the, the, the switch from first thing first, the switch from, uh, cause I went from special force to police, mm. uh, from, from a, a car that drives 200 K an hour nonstop to I'm going to school for seven months to learn how to be a police officer. Now, first thing first, the military is a very black and white world, right? Most likely, right? They tell, they tell us to be, be the gray man, but our world in the military is very black and white. Um, so that was a shock from the start, just to sit in a class where you have 22 years old, still live at dads and moms, and, and uh, just finished university, right? Uh, yeah. that, that was our youngest guy, great, great guy by all means, but that was the difference, right? And you had like, rich, rich kids who like showed up in Porsche, uh, at police academy. Cause, cause they're from like a very elite family. Um, so the adaptation was very different because my view on the world was different. Uh, I had just came back from Iraq, I think seven months prior and, and I'd seen the difference between, uh, 
our world in Canada, which is mostly peaceful, compared to this. Um, so it was a, it was a very hard piece because they, they say it's paramilitary and I didn't find it paramilitary at all. People had feelings now, right? And that's, that's the biggest piece, right? Like if you had feelings in the military, it shut your mouth. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. shut up and carry on. And now it's, if, if I offend someone, well, you need to apologize for what? Yeah. Why do I have to apologize? I just said what I think and, and that you like it or not. That's how I think. Right, mm-hmm. so I got pulled aside a few times, right? And I guess the, the the French aspect is I'm very blunt. So if I don't like something, I'm I'm gonna say it, and it might not come out properly, but it is what it is. That's um, learned skill, being able to say yeah. something that you don't like something in a way that somebody can hear it and go, oh, okay, that that's a very that's a hard learned skill. Yeah, well, but but I think cultural as well. Uh, I find that English is more proper. Or playing violin, right? Like a bit more than the French. Uh, French put whatever they have on their table, and then they deal with it and they carry on, right? Yeah. Um, so there's a culture aspect to it as well. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm French guy coming to Alberta, right? There's already a a feeling there, a taste. <laughs> I, I had been here when I was 18 before the military, and I was not out in the bars. Like I remember the guy looking at my driver's license and say, uh, "It's blue, eh?" And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's close for you, bud. Get out. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, your driver license is blue. And I'm like, so? Yeah, it's close for you, man. I'm like, but I see people coming in. Or like, oh, your shoes doesn't fit. And what do you mean my shoes doesn't fit? She's in flip-flop. I have shoes. All right. So I I knew what I was getting into by all means, but I wanted to serve still. So that was kind of the, the, the good goal. Um, I think I was aware a bit of whatever the counter-terrorist aspect due to the special force, but I was not aware of the bad, the extent of the bad that we have within our streets, right? Because there yeah. is like every every country has bad, right? As as criminals, and uh, and it's like don't get me wrong, like it's like the military, you get caught, right? Don't get caught. I remember always been told that do whatever you want, just don't get caught. Yep. Right? Now, in civilian life, it was different. It was whatever you do, you can fight it in court that you're wrong or right. And, hmm. and, and oh, yeah, uh, if, if, if you have a DUI and you have $15,000, you can pay and get out of it. And it's well known. Depending on the province you are in Canada, they all have their flavor. <laughs> yeah. Right? So um, it was a very big adaptation. And some of the some of some part of me did not want to adapt to it because I didn't want to change. Mm-hmm. I was okay with who I am. Now, what I realized quite fast is some of the civilian wants to fix the veteran and, and because I don't think the same way, but it's okay. Right? There's nothing wrong with the fact that I think that I should be here 15 minutes in advance. If not, it's late. Like, that's a really yeah. stupid example, but... Or you have to be there. Yeah. Right? Versus the person who shows up two minutes prior because the course started at 9 o'clock. Right? Or, um, like, we did our push-ups, right? We did 25 plus one for the queen. Yeah. Well, no, no, we do 25 because they asked 25. No more. (laughs) No, I can do 10 more. I'm going to do 10 more, right? Because you push your limits. This is what the military taught me. 
push further because you're going to go further and that limits will push. So mm-hmm. it, 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 as, as, and I'm talking about it now, I never really thought of it, right? Because I'm just uh, facing this. So um, my wife, meanwhile, was staying in Ottawa. She was not here. So it was kind of, uh, I, I live with other friends that I serve with. Um, and I, I don't know for your service, but my social was at work. That's another piece, right? Because you get moved around, you built your social at work. Now, I move into a place where people already have their, their social. They already have their family here. So they, they don't want Bozo the Clown from, uh, from Quebec <laughs> to come for a beer necessarily, right? The odd doc who speaks his mind and it's not always nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, let, let's it, give it him was... alcohol. That'll work out well. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> or uh, is this is stories about like you know Halloween on base? You know, yeah. kids have candies and adults have shots, right? Because <laughs> you know which house is the one from the east. Yeah, that call. It's a different culture, so it, it was it was interesting. It was hard, but it was going so fast still because one day, if I remember correctly, fifth September was my last day, last day in the military. The sixth, I was starting police college. Um, so I had no break whatsoever. Yeah, uh, I didn't have time to swallow what had just happened, and I think this is why it kind of started the ball rolling, because mm-hmm. uh, I did not have the time to breed, uh, yeah. breathe, but not breed with a D, because apparently it's totally wrong when you do this and you know, interchange. Um, but uh, so so yeah, so that was that was a very uh, interesting fact. Um, or something that I face, if you wish, uh, as it goes. I, I face obviously different calls, different uh, realities that we had in Canada, and, and I kind of made peace with not telling my wife everything. Yeah. I would tell her like, like the first day that I was in the street, we unhook a uh, 17 years old uh, uh, kid from uh, from his loose from his noose. And my wife, I remember, and, and she knew me, and she knew the military that we have a really weird. Uh, uh, weird um, humor. <laughs> Let's put yeah. it that way. And she texts me at night. It's probably 10 o'clock at night. And uh, oh, it's going, John. And I'm like, ah, I'm standing beside Paul. Let's call him Paul. She's like, oh, it's Paul doing? Eh, his feet probably yellow. She's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, Paul's not moving much, much, much. But yeah. I'm eating pizza. It's really good pizza right now. <laughs> no, it fits well. So, um, but that was that, that avoidance of feeling that we created with a dark humor. We all have yep. that. Um, and, and, but yeah, so, and it was not to necessarily mock the dead body. It was not it. It was, oh, can I, how can I make it sense? Because it doesn't make sense what's going on. Yeah. I'm, I'm standing beside a dead body for three hours waiting for a, a medical examiner. Right. That's what I was doing. And that was my job. I was a new guy. They won't let me deal with the mother who's in crisis right now. I'm not ready. Absolutely. For this, right. So it, it, it was an eye opener about where we live. Right, that that our world is not so pink, it's not so fluffy and rainbows and so on. Yeah. So, um, as it goes, uh, I I had multiple times throughout my service being told we don't recognize your military time. We don't care about it. Wow. Uh, oh, you shoot? You don't shoot like we sh- you should shoot? I'm like, fuck off. I've been trained by like the elite, like they're yeah. the best guys, better yeah. than you SWAT if you want, right? Take a walk, and uh, and they were like, no. So it was really like I was come research before, so computer, cybersecurity, and so on, and mm-hmm. I was like, and more course 
than the people who were in that unit. No, we don't recognize it. Yeah. Why did you hire me? Like I have a background. Yeah. Use it. Use me. Amir, I want to serve, right? Um, so anyhow, so kind of face some challenges here and there, and questioning like why did I serve, right? That, that was the question as well. What? Why did I did that? If everything I've done, nobody gave a fuck. Yeah. Oh, and I have a bad language. That's my problem as well. But that's a language barrier. Hmm? Uh, <laughs> At least so far, you haven't. I haven't heard a single Colise ST or Tabernacle yet. So we're we're okay. Brother, like if that happened, the last time it happened is because we tased me, and that was when the French came out. Uh, <laughs> so, well, it. okay, here's here's the question then: What do you think you could have done better, like in your transition, either from police to veteran life or from military into the police? What do you think you could have done better? I, I should have slowed down. Right, it was in the a phenomenon of achieving. Yeah. Right, and and I think we are, we are uh, rooted in that in the military. Uh, I was also rooted in that with my family. Uh, mm -hmm. As a kid, my parents are two well-known psychologists uh, in different countries. Excuse me, and um, it was to perform. That was what will save you. That what will make you go up and higher and higher. So never to never stop and take a break. I, I was on the same train, right? The train was still on 200K an hour for me uh, mm -hmm. that I was studying or not. And don't get me wrong, I had to learn like the, the criminal code, which at some of them, I was like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. But the criminal code is a book. And the reality of justice is, is a gray zone, right? Mm -hmm. So um, in everyone has a reason, just own your wrong, right? And that, that's one of the things I learned in the military. If you do wrong, met up to it, and we won't talk about it, right? You might have your pee-pee slop, and then tomorrow will be over, yep. right? Everyone will call you a fool for a day, and then no. The difference with a civilian life that I fa faced in, in the police world is this is your reputation now. You fucked up once, that's your face, yeah. right? Um, as, if, as if, like, there's no life. Like, as if that's, uh, how can I explain that? Um, if uh, you fall down, now you're known for the guy who fall down. Yep. But, but the military taught me that if I fall and I get up, I learn from it. True. Right? And people so call stay. you names, right? And you just have yeah. to like laugh and be like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I ran into, um, I ran into a backhoe. Like I ran, I was three full strides to a sprint. I smashed my head into the back, into the bucket of a backhoe. And, Everyone made fun of me for it. And you know what? Good. I would have made fun of people for it. <laughs> it's funny yeah. as shit. Uh, I wish I had video of it because it would have been amazing to see my legs just like come out from under me. Um, but had I gotten upset about it, had I not learned to not do that, obviously, but had I not learned to accept the criticism, they, my life would have been hell because it, mm -hmm. nobody would want to discuss anything with me because it's, that's how I'm known. I got a scar on my forehead for it. Like, yeah. Absolutely. We have to be able to take those moments and go, yeah, it's funny shit. Okay, cool. Like now you can pedal on, do whatever else you're going to do. Um, but yeah, it's when you get, when you get held on those things, which don't really make much sense. And you're like, so what? Yeah. I ran into a backhoe. Great. Cool. Now what? <laughs> like, 
and that's a culture, right? Yeah. I think I think it comes with a culture of it. Um, and, and the policing culture, there's the negative example. That mm. will lead you to promotion. Negative example is when, let's say you fucked up, and your supervisor, instead of, you know, and I'm calling that supervisor because it's the last thing that a leader would do. Instead of bringing you up, they're going to push you so down that you're going to look like crap. Mm-hmm. That's not leadership. Right, and it did happen to me once, and to the point that when I had to touch base with the lawyer of the association, he's like, "Who did you piss off?" And I'm like, "I'm new here. I don't know anyone. Like, I have no mm-hmm. nobody." And he's like, "Okay, well." And later on, was found by my my twice. He's like, "Yeah, someone was building a, a promotion package for himself, and you just happened to be there. You were yeah. it, right?" And uh, and that comes down to sanctuary trauma. Indeed. Because the drama is when we want to be, so when, when you screw up, right, or, or you face something that, that is so awful that you, you expect that the father or mother figure, which is a chain of command, supports you through it, mm-hmm. but they don't. So it creates a double, double whammy of trauma, right? Because it hurts there, but you cannot turn there because this this gonna be on you as well, mm-hmm. um, which is, um, I mean, I'm sure it happens in the military as well. I just didn't face it, or I was not faded by it uh, because of the black and white. Yeah, you will well, get. It, yeah, <clears throat> I was just gonna say that it, it's really based on who your leadership is, right? Because I, I faced, I could have, there were there were a few people in my leadership that I. You know, there, you, this is also the other part of it. There are people in life that you just don't like, right? You'll mm-hmm. meet them once and you'll be like, I, there's nothing I like about that person. And they could feel the same way about you. And when you have those two things happen, if that person's in a leadership position over top of you, then it's very hard for them not to look at you in a biased manner. So when you are required to go for them for some help or for something and they shut it down then like you're going to feel all sorts of ways about that. <clears throat> but if you have a good leader and you fuck up and you go to them and you say, Hey man, I fucked up. Like for instance, um, you know how bad it is to not show up for work in the morning, right? Yeah. Like, you're fucking AWOL. That like chargeable offense right there. Right. Um, and I went out the night before with a buddy of mine cause he was going overseas and we went out and partied and had like great time. Um, and he shipped off the next morning. I, had drank so much that I didn't wake up. Apparently I threw my phone at my wife and said, text my boss, tell him I'm sick. I don't recall doing that. I don't know, but I woke up like three in the afternoon and I was just like, what the fuck? And I look at my phone and I'm like, Oh no. (laughs) It's like, I am in so much trouble. Um, but I showed up the next morning, walked, uh, did my morning parade, walked up to my Sergeant. I'm like, Hey Sarge, I just want to tell you what happened yesterday. And he's like, are you going to the, are you going to see the doctors? And I'm like, no, this is what happened. We went drinking. I was so drunk. I slept through my alarm. I slept through everything else. My wife sent you that message. I don't know what happened. I woke up three o'clock in the afternoon. And he's like, why were you drinking last night? Like I sent him a buddy of mine overseas. And he's like, all right, you get one. And that was it. That was the end of the day nothing else happened and i like i could have been charged i could have been written up i could have had you know permanent shit on my on my record but no he understood exactly what happened he knew that i manned up to the to the issue yep 
but with a bad leader, that could have gone way worse. Yeah. Yeah. Which is And, and you know what? Like, I'll put it that way. As a cop, because they always, like, they can't say whatever, police service can say whatever they want. There's quotas. There is. Right? Yep. And it's not necessarily quotas for the city, but it's quotas as if you don't do your 20 tickets a month, you're not accessing courses. Right? Yeah. So, you give your tickets. Um and it gets to a point where, especially with, you know, life costing so much money, you don't want to give a big ticket. You don't, because people are affected by it. Mm-hmm. If I pull you over and you tell me, and you're on your phone, and you tell me you're right, I'm totally wrong. I should have not have done that. My car is recent enough. I have Bluetooth. I didn't do it. Carry on. Go. Yep. I wasted probably five minutes of your time, a little shaky time. But you made up to it. Carry on. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't need to give you a three hundred dollars ticket. Go. Now, if you tell me it's my it's my son, and he was talking about me. Yes, but you're driving behind a cop car. Mm-hmm. And do you think they won't see you on the phone like this? Don't find me a reason. You got caught. Man up to it. We're gonna carry on. And usually, I would not give tickets. Right? It's simple. It's very very simple. And I can tell you, I can give you an example as well, where I was investigated for seven months. Um, I had an Andy. We found a, uh, a firearm into a vehicle that was stolen, that was used in a robbery. Uh, I'm in front of my car, used the markmanship rules that we had, which is, you know, facing in a ditch. At two o'clock in the morning, it's 22, and I'm trying to remove the last stupid bullets. Mm-hmm. It goes. Follow orders of my supervisor goes to the forensics and whatnot. And uh, um, and I get to the forensics and I look at the sergeant. I'm like, uh, well, okay, this is what happened. Everything is on videos. My notes reflects it. There's no lies. I cannot lie because if I lie and there's a video, I look like a fool anyways, right? Yeah. He's like, son, you're shit. I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, shit. I'm like, my supervisor in the car told me that... That's what I have to do. I just followed orders now. I screwed mm-hmm. up. And in my mind, well, there's the military mind, $900 gone of my pay because, you know, I'm going to be charged for this. And then tomorrow, it's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. We carry on. We have another day. No, turns out that uh, they called two detectives who investigated my action for seven, eight months, uh, <laughs> trying to lay five criminal charges against me. Uh and I was just out of school. So my bum bum was like this. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Dude, sorry, you, they were trying to bring five charges on you for try attempting to clear a stolen weapon from a stolen vehicle. Using a robbery. Crazy. That's so crazy. What they were saying is so, so technically when you, you transport a firearm foreign, that's all they call it. Foreign firearm. Um, it should be, um, unloaded because yeah. if it's transported and the fire goes off, it's still your fault as a cop. Okay. Yeah. So my train of thought is, yeah, we're going to clear it and then we'll put it in our car and then we go in forensic with the stolen vehicle so it can be fingerprinted mm-hmm. and that's it. Um, turns out the guy who was doing the investigation, a very, very good guy. Uh, he called me on personal phone. He's like, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm, truly sorry of what's going on. It should not ever happen. You should have your PP slapped and that's it. 
Yeah. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, what's going to happen? And it turns out that they pushed my, uh, how do you call that? Um, so my um, training, whatever time, right? So the first 18 months you're under training. And if you don't pass, they can fire you, no problem. Oh, like the probationary period. Touche. So yeah. they extended that two years extended further. Um, and then uh, the lady at Human Resources told me, you might not be rehired. They might let you go because the chief have other stuff to do than signing back your job. Uh, now, I have a brand new kid. My kid is a week old, and I'm like, I, I moved my family 4,000K away. And I, I said the truth. I did not lie. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and, and to me, the truth is what should work. Um, now, obviously, there's as well with this because people have no life. There's rumors. Mm-hmm. As a rumor is that I shot my foot with my shotgun in my car that was running around. And, oh, it, it went AWOL. It went, it went like that big nuclear bomb into my life where I didn't trust myself at the end as a cop. But not only that, nobody wants to go on a call with me now because the guy yeah. is fucking using a gun and it's exploding. And then uh, it went so big. It was insane. Um, and it's sad at the same time because... You're just drawing a brand new cop. Like the person who's just fresh off the school. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, but it all came down that in July, uh, I was at my June. I was in my in-laws visiting my parents and my in-laws in Ottawa. And um, I got a call like, you're cleared off. Everything is dropped. And the, the lawyer of the association was like, if they charge you with anything, buddy, you won't have need to work for the rest of your life. We're going to sue the crap out of it. I'm like, I get it, but I, I, I want the job. <laughs> like, I want to work. And I didn't do anything wrong. Like, I did yep. something wrong, but I, I took responsibility <clears throat> in it, right? And, and, uh, and it carried on. Now, it's the first time I say it out loud because I'm ashamed 100%. But um, so, yes. And then instead of having the people who were uh, investigating me calling HR, they did not. So I was in an investigation and probation over the summer still. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm not investigated, mm-hmm. close that probation. I'm done. Like, it's, it should not happen. Um, so three months later, the, the probation was out, uh, and I was in the street. But still with that shadow that follows, right? Because people hold on into those things. Yeah. And we all make mistakes. But that, that's a good example of sanctuary trauma, where instead, someone should have stood up and say, no, that's not okay. Yeah. We're, we're abusing here. Okay. Yeah. Um, which which brought... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, <clears throat> it, it really sounds like someone was looking for a scapegoat, right? They want to be... I'm hard on, you know, um, weapons malfunctions, or I'm going to be really hard-lined against anything. And unfortunately, what, you know, as you know, as, as I know, if you're black and white, there's no nuance. You either, nope. <clears throat> but, and in it, like, to your point, you looked at it in a very black and white thing, right? I had an ND. I screwed up. I'm here. This is what happened. This is the scenario. These are what, like, here's all the facts. Yeah. What do you want to do with it? And then someone takes it as a, as a challenge or as a, I, so this is the thing that I, I never quite understood is that when I was in a leadership role, 
I can't imagine throwing one of my troops under the bus. Like I just, I, I can't imagine doing that. There are some leadership. There are some people that were in leadership when I was serving that I've watched throw other people under the bus. And, uh, my, my only guess at this point is that it's fear, right? They see somebody making a mistake that they could have made or maybe possibly made themselves and then want you to burn for it. But see, what are your thoughts? my surgeon at that time, which I had met before, um, super nice guy was, uh, was telling me, he's like, this should never happen. And I'm like, that I shot, I get it. <laughs> this should have never happened. And, and I mean, it's a fluke and, and it happens, right? No, no, he's like, oh, far it went. It should have never happened. Um, it, it left a bad taste in my mouth, by all means, and um, becoming really untrust, uh, untrustful of, of the system and the service mm -hmm. itself, right? Uh, I had seen some of the, the cases where they're dropped, right? I, I charged the first year I was in the street, I charged 12 person for DUI. And, and you can ask any police officer, DUI investigation are long and they're precise and meticulous and so on. And because I know the first one took me eight hours to write now, okay, writing in French and English and so on. Yeah, there's a lot of things in this as well, but but they're they're really pinpointed. And as soon as they can see a little thing, the 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 crown will drop it. So I stopped charging people with DUI, I start giving 15 tickets to a person who had the DUI though. Right, like you still get a penalty and fifteen tickets, you're gonna lose enough points that you can lose your, your, your driver license. But yeah. it, it is very sad how things turns. Right, where um, that's the black and white in my head. Right, I, I've seen people in the military being charged. Do they have a lawyer? Yeah, they usually have a sub lieutenant who have no idea what the hell's going on, and and the protection <laughs> is pretty poor. And you know, you know that when you stand in front of that major, yeah, you're you're fucked. Like <laughs> you're done. Yep. Um, I was prepared for that punishment. I felt like I deserved it because I screwed up. I was not prepared for the rest, though. Yeah. Uh, which, which, because I, I eventually got transferred to a different district as a request because that that shadow has come kind of following me. And uh, my first partner was like, "Okay, John, it's like we heard every story in the world about you." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, well, we heard that you shot your foot. That's that was the first partner I had there, in a car. And I'm like, wait, what? Oh, he's like, with your shotgun. So I'm like, you're telling me that I would have unhooked the shotgun, charge it, shoot my foot. Does it make sense? Well, no, but that's why I'm asking you. I'm like, do you see I have my two foots? <laughs> like, right there. Like, <laughs> and uh, I'm like, this is what I had to open up, and I had to actually t tell that to my entire team. So they trust me. Yeah. Um, I don't know anyone who's perfect. Anyone. No one I know. <laughs> no. Uh, no, me neither. <laughs> but it, it was but, a, it was a hard pill to swallow. Uh, and and uh, like I said, like a lot of shame to it. And it's the first time I think I say it out loud because I kept it for myself for so long. Like, how, how dumb am I to do an Andy? And then I'm like, oh, it just happened. And I, I met other guys after the fact who happened the same thing. They had an Andy. Nothing happened. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. in a world where it's a gray zone, the narrative will adapt to whatever you want. Mm -hmm. 
right? Which is where sometimes the danger is that gray zone, right? Laws are there to be followed, I believe. Uh, and, or don't get caught. <laughs> we all know like the stories about infantry guys stealing tanks and just moving them overnight. And yeah. what happened? I don't know. You better say, everyone say, I don't know. Because we're all yeah. going to get screwed <laughs> at the same time together. Yeah. Right? yeah, the tank was over there. Now it's over here. I don't know. Just the, yeah, but, you know, it's <clears throat> there's always been a difference between enforcement, right? Law enforcement. That means you are going to stick to the letter of law. This is what the law says. You will do whatever, right? Yep. And an understanding of why. Like, yep. why that law is there. What is it that needs to be enforced? Is it the letter of the law or the intent of the law? And I mean, the military is, it's an interesting realm because <laughs> everything is the letter of the law, unless, you know, no one saw you do it, which case then, you know, the intent is still there. Um, yeah. but it really comes down to what, <clears throat> what do you want from the society? And, you know, you see it in the military all the time where guys get screwed over or they make a mistake and then it's held against them or something like that happens and they get bitter. And they get angry. And I was one of them. I like, I did not, my last couple of years in, in the engineer regiment were not pleasant because first off, right off the bat, I was angry and I didn't understand. Obviously part of it was post-traumatic stress and OSI starting to creep in and all these things, but I was still looking for external reasons, right? It was always that guy's fault or this guy's a douchebag or fucking whatever. Like it was always somebody else. Yep. And then when I went to Meaford, you know, go to the other side of the country, I'm in Ontario now, there's no one there that knows me, no one there that uh, there's, I think there was two engineers that I had worked with before that knew me well enough that they knew I wasn't a bitter, angry piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when I showed up, fuck it, like it was a whole new world. It was yeah. like, sweet, hey, everybody, how's it going? And they trusted me to be an adult, they trusted me to do the job, and it felt good to be there. Yep. But I knew that I was going to have to go back to a line unit at some point. <laughs> like I couldn't stay there indefinitely. So that was my decision to be like, I, I'm not, I'm not going back to a unit. This is where I'm going to stay, or I'm going to get out. And I got out. <clears throat> but it's that there's that old trope, right? The old bitter corporal, mm -hmm. the 20 year the detective who has yeah, corporal for life for sure. The 20 year detective that you know, has two divorces and alimony payments and hates life, but he's there for the job. Yep. For the money. For the money, exactly, so that he can pay off all these other things. <laughs> um, but those tropes are developed through either poor leadership, I, th I would say primarily poor leadership, yep. but I think a lot of it is sanctuary drama where they try and then they get punched in the face. And then so now what are you going to do? You're going to walk around with your gloves up, right? And it doesn't matter what anybody says, the gloves are going to be up yeah. <laughs> at all times, uh, which then affects your performance because you're focusing on trying to protect yourself and not performing. And, mm -hmm. and then it starts to starts to flip flop back and forth, right? Because if you're not performing, that gives more because people ammo to talk shit about you or charge you or look for things that you're doing wrong, which makes you tighten up even more and that makes like everything becomes a fight for survival yep. rather than you are in the offensive footage. constantly right yeah yeah so it's I, I can see how 
we're inviting it into the system. Mm-hmm. And there's, how do, there's so a, how do we? There's a compassion fatigue that can kicks in too, right? Where because mm. compassion for yourself is important, right? You need to be as 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 weird as going to sound gentle with yourself mm-hmm. at some part, and if you're not. It, it will catch up to you. It, it will, for sure. There's, there's no doubt to this. Um, I think I'll put it that way. The, the military, I, I still, I, I kind of brought up some, some little stuff, right? So, um, uh, from it in, in my, my civilian life, like you, you were talking, like we were talking, you and I before about, you know, the mission is over there. And then you come back home and, and it's not the same. I did personally bring back some stuff. I mean, when we trained before going to Iraq, it was a two weeks. Uh, training before going that's it go right a regular wow. military is what nine months six months uh, um, usually about a year yeah so i don't think i was necessarily ready like i was excited like i'm finally going like i remember being on a pat platoon waiting to be trained in 2007 mm-hmm. wanting to go to afghanistan signing up to be a dishwasher in afghanistan send me i signed up for this right and uh so finally iraq was showing up uh, I remember we, we, we drove through a, a few towns and uh, Kirkuk was one of them, which is, was owned by ISIS. Uh, and, and transport was not the same as the Green Army. We were in a small Hilux Toyota, two guys. It's probably 100 HP in it. And, and I mean, if you go to 100k an hour, you, you're great. I mean, it's, it's fast for the car. And the, the, the backup was two kilometers ahead of us. So, it, yeah, you have a good ba- go bag, and that's it. And I'm a clerk, man. Like, I don't know what you guys know. I don't have your training. And what the surgeon major said to us and the, the tabletop, exactly it. I, had, I had, didn't have the same, as much as I was excited, I don't think I had the same preparation or tools. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, the gun under my leg, like the handgun under my leg in case something happened. And, and until I went through therapy for a year and realizing why the hell I put my cell phone, under my leg when I sit in the car. I had no idea. Or the angle pressure. that I sit, right? Yep. Like it's it just stuck. So those things, I brought that back home. Um, and then obviously the policing brought some other stuff back home as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the mix of both that made it explode. But it was interesting to see as well that trauma came all the way back from 2009. It was a long, long time ago, uh, and obviously there's there's complex PTSD, which is child PTSD, so even further. But but regarding services, those are the things that I carried, and uh, I still want to carry, but differently. Yeah. The thing that I, I want to point out that the military uh, adds someone better is to become a master corporal. I think it's a ten week course, correct? Uh, it, it depends PLT on what. Depends on what you're doing. So the I think the infantry course is 16 weeks. Uh, I think mine was 10 or 12, something like that. Yeah. Okay. So and yeah, then, so around that. Yeah. So the policing, well, here it's a week, the four, four or five days, eight to four course, and then you become a sergeant. There you go. Wow. You're a leader now. <laughs> Right? And let's be honest, leadership is not something, it's either learn or you have it. But I don't think you can well, learn in four or five days. Not in four or five days. No, that's for sure. Leadership comes from experience, mm-hmm. right? You have to be taught the principles and you have to have experience using them over yeah. and over and over again. And then you have to have the mindset to learn how to lead yeah. and how to get better. So it's over. If it's, not, you become just a good manager. 
Because managing yeah. people, well, it, then you just manage names, administration, and so on. Because I remember, like, my surgeon, the last one that I had, poor guy. <laughs> He's a good guy, 100%, right? But he, he had so many <laughs> issues in the team. And the last day that I work, I call him, and I'm like, we need to talk. Uh, I was crying like a baby in my police car at 8 o'clock, and, uh, and I didn't know how to function. I was panicking. And uh, like, well, I wanted to talk to you anyways. I'm like, oh, man, I'm on top of me feeling like shit. I'm in shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, so I'm coming to the, the district, and uh, I sat. And I'm like, in this first platoon, in his third month, he has someone who has, who had been charged in the past for doing wrongs. Me who's going like mentally hell for a long mm -hmm. time. And it was a shit show. Good for him for ending everything because I don't know if I would have had, but he did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's something that you learn, and it's not always given, and it's not everyone who can be a good leader either, right? Or it can be a good leader for some sort of stuff, but not everything. I, I think with enough with enough training, anybody can be a good leader. I think with enough training, if as long as you have the mindset to be a good leader, right? If you want to be good at being a leader, you can learn how. But it takes, might take people longer, right? Some people pick it up. Like I know guys that, you know, we would say would be a natural leader, yep. but they just, it's because they pick up the principles that much faster or they are able to institute them into their lifestyle. Or maybe they already have portions of it and now they're just getting it fleshed out a little bit more. And then there are the people that aren't natural leaders who have had to use a different set of skills in order to get to where they are in life. And so yep. the skills that they're being taught are now different and they have to readjust everything to kind of institute them. So it might take them longer to do it, might have more mistakes. They might like, I don't know. I think leadership especially is, it's such a fluid topic and depending on who you're talking to, right? Like my style of leadership might not work with you, but it might work for you. So if I were to be in charge of you, you might accept my style of leadership versus if I were to try and lead my wife who doesn't, use the same style of doesn't respond to the same style of leadership so again it's like a that's a whole it, other yeah, realm it, it is it is and let's be honest your, your wife is the boss not you but um anyhow uh same here, <laughs> same here. <laughs> <laughs> nope yeah um. <laughs> so here's the question then because mm -hmm. sanctuary trauma is a big a big topic and i mean we can get into yep. the depth of it but yeah how do we I don't really want to say avoid because if we avoid it, we don't actually fix it. But how do we, how do we create environments where we can either get rid of it or notice it quickly or manage it within ourselves? You know, you know what I mean? Like how do we develop the skills to either remove it from our institutions yeah. or um, allow people to see it and then progress, grow from it? Well, we need to allow people to speak first. Point. So if, and again, it depends on how it is and how it's brought up because the military is not a world to be known as a speaking world, right? Let's speak our feelings. Um, but th there is probably tools that we could build for that, for that specific thing, right? Where we would actually improve that. So, mm -hmm. If, um, so we need to speak, but we need to listen. Those, those goes along, but quite often apart. 
right? Uh, because sometimes you have a person who's a listener who should talk as well. We need to learn from our, 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 our wrong, not try to recreate the wheel a seventh time yep. because the wheel has been turning. Let's improve it instead of creating a new one because creating a new one will create new problems and probably some of the same, right? So um, I'm looking at, you know, let's say, let's say Canada. I'll, I'll give it an example as really, really stupid as it is. The Canadian Armed Forces and Veterans Affairs do not recognize that uh, support dogs would help veterans, you know, carry on with their mental health. Mm-hmm. Every allies we have do recognize it. Why do we do for the seventh year now research about it? Because it has to be Canadian research. Yeah, people are people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He standing up or he sitting up, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're all the same. We need food, we need, you know. So We all pee, but leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even, yeah, I have another yeah. example in my head, but that's what I'm going to do. Anyways, uh, <laughs> um, but so, so let's learn from each other, right? What yeah. they did wrong, let's not do it wrong. Let, let's, let's take that, that research Maybe, yeah, okay, from everyone else. Did they not work? Did they not, that did not support people? Or, or that type of action towards our troops does not help. It actually hurt mm-hmm. them more. And I, I'm convinced because PTS has been existing now for over 150 years that we've been collecting data about mm-hmm. it, right? Various names, shell shock, you know, trench and so on. We know about it. Nothing new. Right, uh, it can be cured now, right? Like it, it can. You can learn the tools to how to deal with it, mm-hmm. um, depending on obviously the extent and so on. But there, I, I believe there, there's there's something you can get out of it a bit more, yeah. and not being stuck in your basement, you know, hiding, um, as an example. Um, so we need to learn from each other, and, and I think, like you said, it's not necessary. It's not necessity that it's Canadian based or whatever that is, right? Um, yeah. And as a good example for this, we have uh, uh, being used, like our stuff is used right now, Can Praxis. He is asked to go to Australia. He is asked to go to US. He is asked because his program is so good that why should we invent it again? Yep. There's no reason. Let's learn from each other and grow, yep. right? We all do something wrong. We all do something good. Let's get the good and great. Well, so we need to have the top dogs willing to hear what the small dogs have to say. Yeah. Because I, at that point, the general doesn't have the same perspective that the soldier who is in the trench now. I was just I was just talking to somebody about this too, and it's actually quite interesting. I was saying that we have people in charge. So you have all the people who are in leadership, high leadership, so chiefs of police and generals within the military and politicians and blah, 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 all these people that are in leadership roles. They started, when they first got in, when they first got into the military, got into policing, got into whatever, this was like the 90s, right? The world was great. Everything was fine. You could basically do whatever the hell you wanted to, and everything was about success. How do you get successful? You got to get more money, more cars, bigger houses, blah, blah, blah. It was, that's what the mentality of the society was, Mm -hmm. was grow, grow, grow. No one was thinking about 
wait a second, like maybe we should heal. Maybe we should feel better instead of trying to feed ourselves stuff. We should just figure out how to fix the stuff we have. Right. <laughs> and that's yeah. why, you know, in 2000. And so there was this great, uh, I think it was a world cup commercial for like the, um, soccer world cup. I can't remember which one it was. It's golf football, but the whole, the uh, whole commercial, there was like this heist thing going on and, uh, they ran in and they got this ball, this one ball and they were kicking it. It was super cool. There were ninjas involved. It was a really neat commercial. But at the end, someone was like, why? And the person said, it's rounder. And it was the new soccer ball that they had was less angular. So it traveled farther so you could kick it. Like it was just a better ball all around. And what I've come to realize is that it was never about making a new ball. It was taking the one we had and making it slightly better, just a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we need to look at in these next 10, 15, 20 years is that we need to, we need leadership at the top looking at it. How do we make it better? Not just how do we make people go through the same shit I went through? How do we make their experience better? Yep. One of the things I've come up with uh, over the years is something that special forces units already do all around the world. They have in-house treatment. So if you need a mm -hmm. massage therapist, there's one there. If you need a psychologist, there's one there. If you need fucking kinesiologist, you need a fucking whatever it is. It's in your, uh, it's in your building, right? Yep. So CSOR has their own whole, their whole team. I mean, you look at the Olympics and the high level national teams, they all have their own support staff. They have massage therapists and, uh, sports friggin' therapy people. And like, you know what I'm talking about, right? There's whole, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it within the unit. Yeah. Yep. They're there. Yeah. Why, why don't, why is me as a combat engineer unable to access that stuff within my unit? Because how awesome would it be to have a psychologist that you saw regularly in the unit that if you were not having a good day, you just go and, Hey, Brenda, what's up? I got to like, <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter what's going on, Dave. I just need to sit down and talk because normally like there's the Padre, mm -hmm. but if you're not religious, why would you go talk to him yeah. um, or her? I, I'm using all sorts yeah, of yeah. things here, but um, but there's nothing else, right? If you had an in-house massage therapist or an in-house uh, kinesiologist, it'd be like, you know, when I run, my knees hurt. It'd be like, oh, yeah. well, let me see your stride. And they could actually fix you rather than saying, suck it up, let's fucking run. Right? Like, <laughs> we could develop the people so that they're yeah. better. That's my, and, and, and we'll remove a lot of bad leadership as well at the same time. Now, mm -hmm. let's be honest with this as well. It's not every leaders who are bad, right? Uh, I, I worked before, before the unit, I worked at the headquarters of the Navy. It was the only army guy. Um, and there's that captain Navy, which is what Colonel, I think, and, and the, the army yep. equivalency. Yep. Super nice guy. Um, uh, his door was always open. I was the lowest rank in the unit. Number one, the youngest one too, probably. Um, and he would come sit in my little cubicle. And have you seen the soccer game last night in Brazil? Freaking awesome. Look at this. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just a corporal. Sir, you understand what you're talking? Yeah, but I know you play soccer. You, do you... And I'm like, 
I'm a human. Yeah. And, and for him, that was it. I'm a human. And he wanted to talk about hockey. But what he brought up is down the road, by opening his door to me, he asked me a question about, how do you feel about this mm-hmm. as a corporal? And, and it opens doors and doors and doors and doors. But the other thing that it brings up as a leader, I would have done anything for him. Yeah. I would have slept under my desk and overnight and worked. I would have not mind. Right. And that's the same type of uh, leadership I got when I was at the unit where um, Paula was still serving from what I know. Uh, she made sure that her troops shine. And by the fact that she was doing this and taking care of us, we made her shine. Mm-hmm. It goes, you know, both ways. Uh, I was when I was in Iraq, I was in the same uh, trailer than my RSM and my uh, the commander of the base, and they obviously, sir, <laughs> it was it's really clear, but. But I felt like I was one of them, mm-hmm. and, and I was. And I was employed with them, right? Like, um, I, I and again, I would have done anything they ask for, anything, because the respect was given, and it was not yep. because of the rank; it was because of the person. Yep. Right. Quite often, uh, the, the first word I think I learned in English about the military is power trip. <laughs> that brand new, brand new master corporal was a power trip, right? And I, yep. And I was a private for four years, not trained. Yep. <laughs> it's a long time. That is uh, a long time. <laughs> and um, my course was in English, and I didn't speak English, so that was oh, okay. The 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 problem that yeah. I, I faced. Um, but I remember that master corporal who had, I think, a year and a half in the reserve or two years. And started to give me shit. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. First, you're not in my chain of command. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> you work on weekend. Yeah. Fuck. And, uh, <laughs> and he stopped talking to me. He wasn't happy. But, uh, <laughs> but there's a leader given and there's a leader having the title. And those are two yeah. different things, right? Because you can have a leader agree. as a private will lead 25 private and you will follow the guy not because mm-hmm. he's cool built and can run 50k no because he's a good human being and yep. and this is what more and more i see online with veterans is that good human being standing up for their principle and values and morals and when we have that the moral injury does not happen as much and when we mm-hmm. have that Sanctuary trauma will not happen because you know that the person you work for, as long as you don't double them down, will work f- for you as well. It's like a, a psychologist and, and client uh, relationship, right? You're in therapy, yeah. you do 50% forward, and your psychologist, therapist, do 50% forward. It is not a 100% one side. It doesn't exist. It won't work. Mm-hmm. As much as you want to get healed up, it will not work. It's a 50-50. Right, and we need to adapt to each other, and it's fine, right? The same as the kids. You have kids. I have kids. I mean, my son wants to eat chocolate at freaking nine o'clock at night. He won't sleep. He's gonna be wired up, and you know, be yep. a bad leadership. Stuff. You'll have chocolate tomorrow morning. <laughs> you can't be crazy until noon. Um, yep. But it's the same thing. 
So I, I think we need to build up as much as our lower ranking in any type of industry and build up our top ranking better as well, right? And it all depends. Obviously, we, we can look at big businesses where it's different, but in, in the uniform world, it's, it's something else. And we need to remove and teach people that first, sexism doesn't work, right? That, that's a big one yeah. as well, right? Like a respect mm -hmm. comes on both sides. And again, we're just human. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a female, a male, whatever that is. We're here to do a job. What you do at night is not my problem. Yep. So that's yeah, the respect. Exactly. If, if you can do the job, I don't give a shit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I really don't care. Um, and I use this example quite a bit. Uh, it's, you know, the, the really the movie uh, Starship Troopers and the yep. book Starship Troopers. And uh, there's a scene in there where everyone's showering together. And it's, I think it was kind of put in there as uh, not so much filler, but it was like trying to fill in a chunk of the book into one scene. But the thing that really caught me about it was the fact that no one cares. Right? They're all in the shower together, not ooing and eyeing and looking at each other and trying to hide or whatever. It's just, you're in the shower. Everyone's got a shower. Cool. We're showering. Mm -hmm. Done. So the concept to me is that sexuality is outside of the job. The job is there. It is always yeah. there. And if you are in policing, if you're in business, if you're in freaking, you know, the realm of daycare or libraries or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Can you do the job? You can do the job? Good. Are you good at it? Cool. Then you get advanced. Like, if not, how you hard learn is more. That? Yeah. Right? If not, exactly. Learn more. Take the time to learn more. And that's, um, yeah, it's a real challenge because I think a lot of it, again, comes back to fear, right? Mm -hmm. You have, you have people who are in charge who are either insecure or, um, you know, other issues that they're, they're trying to deal well. with. Yeah, exactly. And then, so what do they make other people do? Well, they want other people to be in pain too, so that they're at the same level. So if they're in a leadership position, they're going to bring people down to their level. And I mean, I, I was in the intelligence cell in the engineer regiment when I got out or when I got back from Afghanistan and I, I, I took it now as a real boon because I got to hang out with the CEO and the RSM, like I reported directly to the CEO and the RSM. Mm -hmm. um, I hung out with all the majors, the sergeant majors, the, you know, captains, like all the warrants. I was in the upper echelon of the rank system as a corporal, as a junior corporal, right? And most of them treated me like a human being and they treated me like a junior corporal, right? You need to learn, do this, do this, do this, do this. Show me what you can do. Okay, good, good, not so great. Do this better, move on, right? But there was one or two that would just look at you like, the fuck are you doing here? And you could tell like, they obviously, there's something wrong with them, right? There's nothing yeah. wrong with you. You're, you're like as a brand new junior corporal in a realm that I didn't sign up for, like I was not an intelligence guy. Now I'm running an entire cell by myself and I'm going to make mistakes as you know, as you said, as a junior guy on the street in a police uniform, mistakes happen. Mm -hmm. And if you're smart enough, you're going to go, okay, yeah, I fucked up. How do I do that better? And somebody should be able to tell you, Hey, this is how you do it better without 
dragging you under the bus mm-hmm. and trying to make your life challenging because I don't know about you, but for me, I want to lift people up as you were just saying, right? If I lift the people under me, if I lift them up, I look good. Yeah. If I push people down, I, I don't look good at that point, <laughs> at least in my mind. It just yeah. blows my mind that that still, it still happens, but it is, it's a lot of fear. I think, I think that's really what it comes back to. Well, and it's because they associate themselves to a rank. But you're, mm. you're not a rank. A rank is an addition to whatever it is. Uh, I remember like the, the, the first course that we had in, um, for the support special force uh, is we all stood up outside of the bus. We all wear our cat pads. And we remove our name. And we mm. remove our rank. And those are not put on you the entire time. So you have to treat each other humanly, not by rank. And there's no major. You're not allowed to use the rank. It's Paul, it's Peter, it's Joanne, it's whatever that is, maybe. And we're a team because you are good at this. I'm going to use you for this. I'm good at this. I'm going to... And you become so much stronger and so much more efficient. It is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had, I had um, how do you call it? an inspector inspector which was a commander of our uh, of our district uh he was swat for i don't know how many years the guy would come with me uh, on a on a t-stop on a traffic stop hey john how do i do that again i don't remember at all and i was like sir <laughs> i'll do it don't worry about it I'll, I'll i'll deal with this right or uh he would he would be on containment on a house with a firearm inside the house and you turn around, he's there. Us thing going right now. He would spend more time with us in the street than staying in his office. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, you give you give the person a lot of respect because he is willing to step down from his seat to be one of the one of the guys or one of the girls. Yeah. Doesn't matter, right? So with that, there's a lot of respect uh, that comes with it. And then that's leadership right there for me, right? Because You've been in my shoes 20 years, 20 years, 20, 30 years, whatever that is, maybe, right? But things changed. and yeah. But you can still come back. And that's the job you used to do and that you signed up for at that time. Uh, yeah. Rulo is another one that I, 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 I have an email from him saying, good job, son, about something I did. And I'm like, I still have the letter. I, I, I kept it. <laughs> my binder. The guy, he's a general. And... and I have a lot of respect for him yeah. for base how he treated his troops, period. Don't get me wrong. I would shut my mouth if he's around by fear. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. But the ultimate respect for the person as well. This again goes with, um, uh, with so many things. And sometimes the leadership can be felt, right? Sergeant Major, right? You can feel it. Mm-hmm. He's there. He has it. And uh, and that that's a beautiful thing to me. It is, um, but it, it, you, you see it with kids as well. Kids, the same thing, right? Like if you start yeah. just yelling at them, they won't listen. You you need to make it for them to understand, not just yep. based on your anger, not just based on your frustration that you have, because the kid will not absorb anything. Will just be pissed off, and then will probably stump or throw stuff around because they don't know how to react with their feelings. It's the same thing. 
just a small smaller level, right? Yeah. Um, so regarding um, regarding, I mean, sexual trauma, I find that super interesting because, like I said earlier, the the military has been aware of PTS OSI for years on. A place like Alberta, for correctional officers, PTS has been recognized since 2018. Mm-hmm. It's fresh. Uh, I know a paramedic who was fired in 2009 for having PTSD because it was not recognized yet. Yeah. Currently in, in Alberta, because that's where we are, um, 5% of police officers have mental health issues. Is it a real number or is it a false number? Is it a number that we got of the people who are actually sick on leave right now? Yeah. Or is it the number of the people who talked about it? And I think it's number one. Because uh, when I got sick and I started to speak about it, and I, I, I'm quite open about it. I go to a store and they see me a few times. My, my pet store. God, I, I go buy food for dogs every Friday, same time. It open at 10 and then at 10 because there's nobody. I don't want to see people. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the guy's like, I see you more and more. Your wife is not the one picking it up. And I'm like, oh, uh, I got diagnosed with PT, uh, PTSD. Right, because I still say the D, even if I don't necessarily believe hundred percent on it, because people yeah. understand that, right? Yeah. They associate it to it, and no word of a lie. And he did not know what to do with me, so he took my food and he said, uh, "I'll walk you out." And probably two months ago, I saw him again, and I'm like, "What is the first thought you have when you hear that a soldier has PTSD?" He's like, "The first thing I think is he's going to take a gun and go shoot people." Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that comes to his mind. So there's a reason why people as well keep silence. Because they don't want to be associated Absolutely. with this. Right? 100%. So we as, need a, as to... we were saying earlier, it's the extreme, right? You get, you get associated with the extreme. Mm-hmm. And if that extreme is the trope of the bitter corporal or the um, absolutely batshit crazy dude who's digging trenches in his backyard and... Um, puts a gun in his mouth at night that's that's the extreme because that's or that's what it's associated with because that's the extreme yep. and the everyday answer same um to what you're saying is five percent is those are the people that have come to the edge and said no i need help like i'm yep. i'm i'm seriously messed up and the rest of it is the people that are just making do right and they're like i'm not i don't want to be part of that group because that's got the extremes in it and there's no other way to, there's no other spot to go. There's no, there's yeah. no, like I'm mildly post-traumatic stress. <laughs> right? no. yeah. Even though you can be like, technically speaking, you can have a, a mild case of post-traumatic stress and or, or occupational stress injury or sanctuary trauma or whatever you want to call it. You can have a mild case of it, but it gets lumped in with everything else. Yeah. And I think that's a big challenge, especially for the stigma, because that's what people recognize is the extreme cases. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to, I mean, I receive a lot of, uh, I, I kind of had to put a limit uh, on who I talk on my, my, uh, my, my social media. Cause my mm-hmm. wife is paying the price. If I'm always on my phone talking and trying to help. But, um, the number of people who says like, you know, it, it's good that she speak out loud be- because I don't. Right. Yeah. And, uh, or I heard like, and, and this is, it, I find it not negative, 100%, but it is kind of a little bit of it. I got guys who are like, I have baby trauma. 
PTSD. So like I, I'm, I'm, I have those traumas, right? But uh, I feel like I don't need to get a diagnosis for it because I, I cannot be off. I need to be in the street. Mm-hmm. But that's avoidance. Yeah, 100%. Right? Um, the drinking aspect, right? Because drinking aspect is part of the culture of the military. I, I strongly, strongly believe it might have changed, but it might not. I don't know. Um, but like you move to another place, to another base, to another base. Well, because there's a new guy. Let's have a beer with him or her. Yeah. And then you have 25. Then uh, then you wake up at 3 o'clock the next day and what happened there. But, but that, that's another thing that I never realized. I never drank that much. But when I drank, gonna drink. Mm-hmm. Right? And the last time I actually got drunk, um, and my wife would be the perfect wife who'd tell me, you decided to drink, the next day you're going to pay the price. Mm-hmm. You're going to take care of our kid the entire day. Now have fun with your headache. But I drank five bottles of wine, woke up on a couch, um, a bit of vomit, and, uh, and in my head it was just celebration. Yeah. But then I clicked in. I drank four times a year, five times maybe. And to that point of blackout. Yeah. So what is that inhibition, that inhibition that was brought up to my state? What did it hid behind that I had to drink so much that blackout had to come to hide? Something else. <clears throat> so when I revisit all of those things, it's extremely, like the signs were all there and more and more and more there. And, and um, but but and like I told you before, or another another time that we chat, I was sure physically I have something off. Like I blood tested, like you know, must be maybe red cells. Maybe I don't have yeah. enough red cells. Maybe testosterone. Maybe my testosterone is low, right? Or I'm getting I'm getting fatter and fatter. And and why is this? Well, the, the simple depression, <laughs> slow down your metabolism, metabolism, uh, you know, co- uh, cortisol and so on due to stress mm-hmm. and yada yada. But uh, I must have like uh, my glands. There's probably my glands who are just some. I found because you can find every evidence if you really search. Right? Yeah. Um, when truly you are responsible for it. Right? And, and, and you know, when you're talking about anger earlier, about hating the world, I guess, at that point. The other thing that I realized lately, and I mean, it's, it's 35 years later, nobody can make me feel offended. What they say and what I think about what they say will create my own feelings. Mm-hmm. And this is when I realized that it was so empowering that it doesn't matter that Bozo the Clown think I'm a jackass. It, 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 take, it took me as well a while because I was just a clerk. How can I have PTSD? I do claims. Mm-hmm. And because I had heard that before when I was uh, in SIGs, right? Fucking clerks, yeah. man. They're gone on vacation again because, oh, I'm so sick. Yeah, yeah. it does happen. Yeah, yeah. It does. And I, I, I personally have said it. I, like, I, mm-hmm. I, know, I know the feeling of looking at somebody and be like, that guy's just trying to fucking get, trying to get whatever. Yeah. He's trying to get time off. He's trying to get benefits that he doesn't deserve, blah, blah, blah. He, he hasn't been through the shit that we've been through. And uh, as... Tim put it uh, yeah. during the roundtable, man. Like we were trained for it, hundred yeah. percent. We were absolutely trained for it, and I did not see a single clerk on the level seven battle drill where we had live fire, fucking tanks and planes and uh, labs shooting over our heads, and like just 
going crazy stuff. We had the build up for that. We had all the training, all the setup, blah, blah, blah. We did it. I thought it was awesome. It was a great time, but we didn't have our clerks there because that's not their job. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so why would we train them for that? Why would, and then I also remember in, um, in Massengar getting rocketed basically every night and you're like, but you know, a couple weeks in, you're like, Oh, whatever. Another one fucking hit. And it's coming in close. Like one went off the mountain right beside our, uh, right beside our tent lines. And we heard it and it was like, <laughs> a couple of my buddies and I were like, was that incoming or outgoing? I don't know what that sound was. And it was a one Oh seven rocket going off the rocks, by <laughs> but you go to calf and you don't even hear an explosion. The, the alarm goes off and you pe see people just scatter. And you're sitting there going like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? But they're not you. They're not sitting there getting rocketed every day, right? They're, they're not getting the stress inoculation that re it's required from it. And then on top of that, when they go home, they're not dealing with the same issues we're dealing with. I was talking to a, another guy um, a little while ago. And when he got back from Bosnia, he couldn't step on the grass because everything was mined. And if you went on off the road, you were in a mined area. And for me, I was looking at dirt, right? Anytime I could see fresh dirt on top of so that would like set me off. Be like, no, what that, that's not the same dirt as was yesterday. Now I need to fucking like, eat. so you're, what you're aware of changes mm -hmm. for me. Um, fireworks if i don't know fireworks are going off and i can't see them and i just hear explosions over my head that sets me off for other guys it doesn't yeah and it doesn't like it doesn't negate the the psychological damage that i've had to deal with it doesn't negate the psychological damage that you've had to deal with you're getting rocketed with zero training that's a that's a serious shock to the system me getting rocketed yeah. with lots of training, that's still a serious shock to the system, but over time I get used to it, et cetera. And it's with everything. Yep. Yeah. I think with this as well, and, and this is the other thing that we, we need to, to visit in general, is we need to train our specialists to be able to work for people like us. Yeah. And the, the reasoning I'm going to put there for this is uh, I, I know – like I had started to see a psychologist uh, before I got diagnosed. They thought I had, I had uh, adaptive disorder, which a lot of mm. military uh, go through when they leave the military and then they go civilian life and, and so on. Which is usually as well the first little signs of, you know, PTS is creeping in. Um, mm -hmm. And I had a lady who had worked at the OSI clinic before and wanted to have a change. So now she worked for the police. So she was perfect for me. Um, and then I applied for the OSI clinic. And I sat in front of a social worker who do the intake, uh, where I learned later on that he said to the psychologist that I had no trauma whatsoever. <laughs> and, and I was going through, I had a list, right? Like with the police things that I had to go through. But, and because the four years of not being trained, I did OGT around the clock, like as best as I can. There's stuff that happened. Uh, we found guys dead in rooms. We found, you know, like... Seeing a dead mm -hmm. person is not normal for anyone in the world. It is not. Like, uh, you can see funerals, but when you pick up the smell, mm, not so much. Um, and, uh, and 
that person for him who had worked before at the hospital general here, it was not trauma. But it was not about him. It was about how I felt about those things that I was exposed. And this is something mm -hmm. that we really have to look into and train our people. And I will say the same for Veterans Affairs. There are some people who are so good at Veterans Affairs. So great. And, but there's some people who needs to learn the culture that comes with it. Yes. Right? So I had a lady and, and, and who read my book who contacted me uh, after she read it. And she's like, if you don't want to hear about me, it's fine. Just tell me right away. But I work for VAC, and I don't think you applied for everything you were supposed to. We'll have a chat. And as of today, become a friend, super nice. But she also said that there's people who actually are joining VAC who has no training whatsoever, never been exposed to the military culture. And then the only thing that they say is they're fucking pissed off on the phone. Well, because you, you don't understand where they're coming from. And it, they're not necessarily pissed off at you. Let's be honest here, right? Like it, it, we, we talked about that. When your triggers kicks in, it doesn't matter who you are. <laughs> Get out, <laughs> move, <laughs> right? It, it, yeah. And it's true. Like that, that, that fire that I said to my, my kid, like daddy has a fire in it now and he needs to walk away or he needs to go shooting or he needs to whatever the hell maybe. I had a psychiatrist in training for, for a specialization and um, he said, so uh, do you have any firearms at home? I'm like, oh yeah, I have good one too. I mean, mm -hmm. I love them. Like I paid money for this shit. One is like an AK-47. I probably have nice. two ARs. I have mm -hmm. this. I have five or six hand pistols. And it was, I, I was excited like a kid. Like, yeah, you get excited talking toy. about that. Yeah, absolutely. And he's like, maybe you should get rid of them. I'm like, no, you don't get it. It makes me feel safe. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, use scalpel. It's a weapon. You should not use it. You, sh you, should, you should throw that in the garbage. But he's like, it's a tool. Same here. Yeah. I, I had a gun on my hip for three years. I'd never shot anyone. I put it out the first six months, 27 times, mm -hmm. but never used it. It's a tool, and that makes me feel safe. And you know what? When I go to the range and shoot alone my little coffee that is still steaming at 7 o'clock in the morning, it's a therapy because I bin point on one thing, and I focus on it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I know at that time, my psychologist, my psychiatrist who was overseeing him, had to sit with him and explain that depends on the culture. If it was Bozo the Clown who has nothing, who's just a gun nut, might be different. But in yeah. this case, it's someone who has a relationship with weapons as a tool. It does not see it as a weapon. Yeah. Simple I agree. I, I, use my, I use my rifles and my pistols as therapy tools all the time and when i would get really agitated i would pull them out of the safe and i would clean them because mm -hmm. it's mechanical right yeah. you just go back to going through the motions right okay i just need to focus on this one thing bang and you can focus on that thing and you can let that anger subside you can let that fire go down you can just let it go yep. into the moment and yeah man cordite therapy is fantastic there's nothing better than being out of the range and you know being a, you're out in nature, right? So you're feeling the sun, you're getting vitamin D, you got the wind in your face, cold or not, doesn't matter. Yeah. You're outside. And you're using a tool that you're comfortable with. 
mm-hmm. you consistently have used throughout your life. And I mean, I grew up in the country. I've shot most of my life. It, it's something that uh, comforts me to yeah. be around firearms because yeah. that's just who the person I am. And absolutely, if, if it's part of your culture, it needs to be um, worked in. And I, I had the same conversation with my psychologist and she, when she, I was trying to get my firearms license renewed and they have a thing on it. Like, do you have any mental health issues? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. All right. And I'd like <laughs> yeah. PTSD and major depressive blah, 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 blah. And they came back like, we need a letter from your psychologist saying that you're good to go. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I went to my psychologist yeah. did the same thing. Hey, I need you to sign this off so that I can have my guns at home. And she was like, do you need your guns at home? I'm like, yeah. So I, t- I told her about it and she's like, oh no, that makes perfect sense. Good yeah. to go. Yeah. Um, well, uh, and on that note, we have been rolling for a good hour and a half, <laughs> was, something like yeah. that. <laughs> and uh, I, I really appreciate you being on here, brother. It's been a great conversation. I think there's lots, lots of uh, info here. Is there anything that we haven't covered that uh, got any well, last I'll thoughts? I'll drive up to go shoot with you, so that's fine. Uh, yeah, man. I'll have a time away when my wife can accept that she has two kids to deal with at the same time. I'll drive up. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe I should come down as my kids are a little older, a little bit easier to handle. But Or halfway. We can go halfway. Halfway. Oh, yeah. We can meet in the middle. I'm down with that. You know what? Um, maybe we should jump on uh, one of the shooting courses from Rob Furlong. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah, we can do I that agree. together and just do some shooting. That'd be nice. I, I just bought a BNT, so uh, I need to try it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it was Christmas in my head. That just proved one of my... <laughs> Yeah, take it. Um, so Natasha won't watch this. It's not true. I do not have another gun. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah. So <laughs> just disappear from the screen. So, any final thoughts on sanctuary trauma? Anything we didn't cover? I, I think, think it comes down to you know, check on your body. We all yeah. feel when something is wrong. Like there's that stupid feeling, like that spidey sense or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, right? Check on your bodies, and if if yeah. it's just the fact that they have that person say, "Hey, us, us today," right? And, and it makes it makes a world of difference. Yeah. And then yeah. that's yeah. it. I, the only thing I would add on to that is it's okay to talk about it, right? Even even if someone doesn't want to hear it, that's cool. Don't talk to them. Talk to somebody else. But it's okay to talk about it. Just yeah. man, it, or just uh, be there. It's so much be better. There. Yeah. Be there. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Um, well, you know, brother, again, I can't thank you enough. If anybody wanted to find you, your book, anything, any information on you, where would they Where would they go hunting? Uh, wiredifferently.co. .co, or okay. Instagram, wiredifferently again. Um, yeah. Shoot me a word, some, shoot me something. Uh, we'll, we'll get along, I'm sure. Like, okay. I, I always yeah. say to my people, we're not alone. That's simple as it is. Yeah. Yeah, we're all here. We've all been through it. I'm happy to talk. You're happy to talk. And lots of guys are happy to talk. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. We're 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 in a really interesting time to be alive, especially for veterans. And um, I think we're opening up a new door, which will be pretty cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Future is gonna be beautiful. That concludes this episode of the Toolbox. I really appreciate y'all listening. It has been my pleasure bringing you this awesome guest. If you like what you heard, please like, share, subscribe, and do all that awesome stuff. And I hope you can use some of the information that was offered. To all those putting on the line every day, first responders, military, 
veterans, civil servants. You guys are keeping us safe and keeping the country running. I really appreciate y'all. Hope to see you next time. Till then, stay open, stay humble, and stay focused. Shalom.